BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the You Are Not So Smart Podcast, episode 224. So, uh, hey mom, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Hey, listen, I wanted to know, um, I don't suppose you've changed your mind at all about getting the vaccine, have you? Of course, I didn't just change my mind. Well, uh, have you, did you read the articles that I sent you? Well, I looked them over and I saw they were all from different liberal media. And so there was one I looked at, it was too long. You know, you send me these things I could barely get through. I could send you a summary if you want. I mean, it's, it's really important information. I understand if you're busy or if it's not what you want, but I mean, I can send you different information. I, I just, it's just so important that you, you know, get the shot. I mean, send me whatever you want, but you know I'm not going to trust everything I read, and I don't think you should either. This is an episode about how to improve your communication skills, how to turn what you suspect will be a difficult conversation into something marvelous and fruitful, a conversation that strengthens your relationship with the other person, a conversation from which both people will walk away feeling like they gained something, learned something, the kind they'd like to have again. And it's just that there's, I don't trust everything, but there's just like, there's, there's so, there's so much research. I mean, there, there's, there's so much research right now showing how abundantly safe it is and also how, how dangerous the, the COVID is right now. Well, you should know where I get my information from. There's a lot of danger to the vaccine too. And, you know, you can't just believe everything you read. It doesn't matter if they produce it a hundred times. What you're listening to here is an example of what not to do when having a difficult conversation, not just about vaccination, but about anything with anyone, but especially with a person, well, someone you've argued with before and who you anticipate to argue with again in the future. Someone who, when you talk to them about an issue, you know it has a potential to create a nasty dynamic between the two of you. Since vaccination hesitancy is so top of mind right now, and for so many people, it's the difficult conversation we dread having over and over again, whether with friends or coworkers or loved ones, this is what we're going to talk about in this episode. But just as an example, in this role play you're hearing, it's between communication and negotiation expert and professional facilitator Misha Globerman and Juliet Hoover, who is pretending to be his mom. This role play took place during one of his How to Improve Your Communication Skills workshops, while an audience watched on. And in this episode, Misha will break down this conversation for us 
and explain in detail the problems we often create in moments like this. And then we will hear another role play showcasing a better way. I wanted to offer this to you because I received so much feedback after the vaccination hesitancy episode asking for a shorter, more direct episode about this very thing. And it seems that most people would like something that would emphasize practice over theory. Also, I should mention that Misha is offering a workshop like this for free on February 1st over Zoom. And details are in the description for this episode on your podcast player and the show notes over at youarenotsosmart.com. Also, I'll be there. I'll be at that workshop checking in and uh, talking a little bit and hanging out afterward as well. So I hope you come to it. This, by the way, is what Misha does for a living. He both teaches people how to communicate effectively and to avoid conflict. Also, how to deal with existing conflicts. And he does that for businesses, institutions, families, and so on. More on that in a minute. But first, let's listen to the rest of this conversation and see how closely it might resemble the last time you unsuccessfully attempted to convince someone of something that you believed very strongly, but they did not. I, I, I guess, I mean, I guess I just want to know like what I can, what I can show you. I mean, to, 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 pers- to persuade you, cause it really, I just so important that you take it. And, and, and it's, it's just abundantly clear, you know, there, you know, the, 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 it's, you know, it's been approved now and there's just more and more evidence from, from so many sources, you know, I, I just, I worry cause your health is at risk, you know, and I just want you to get the vaccine. You're not getting any younger. My health is at risk if I inject some mystery goo into my arm. And what if it gives me cancer in five years? We don't know. And I just am so tired of you being a guinea pig and I'm not going to be a guinea pig. Well, it's not, it's not, it's not going to give you cancer. They, they kind of know that now. I mean, if you look at the links that I sent, it's, it's abundantly clear. They know what vaccines are like this are like there. I know the vaccine seems new, but there has been just lots of research leading up to it, you know, up until now, um, you know, decades of research that lead up to it. So they know the kinds of side effects that they typically see, and they're, they're not seeing those here. So it's not going to be, you know, it's, it's not mystery goo. They are. They always know until they don't know. And then people find out 10 years later, they could sue for some money, but their health is ruined. And I, that's not going to be me. And I'm so upset that you did that to your own body, but you're not going to force it to me to do it to my body. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, if you would just look at the evidence, you know, it's just, it's so abundantly clear. It's so, there, there, there's so much going on, you know, and, and we know it's in it. We know the research, we know it's in the vaccine, you know, and also what we know is like the, the Delta variant's terrible. It's really, really, really going crazy right now. Well, what I know is just what people that care about me tell me. And you know, the guys at work have told me they've gotten sick, their parents have gotten sick when they got the shot. And I know people who have gotten bad reactions from it. The guys at work, is that, is, you're listening to the guys at work? Yeah. Who are you talking to at work? The guys that actually care about me, these people that care about me, I know they're not being paid by some big pharma people. They, they aren't where did they, where, did, where did they get their PhDs in epidemiology? Where'd you get yours? I, but I'm, I'm, I'm quoting people who did. I mean, you're, you're thinking the guys at work. I'm talking to like, I'm talking like this, you know, the Center for Disease Control and New England Journal of Medicine, the World Health Organization. I mean, these are the smartest people in the world and you're balancing their opinions against like your friends at work. It's maddening. You can't trust it because it just has some big name behind it. You don't know who bought them out. You don't know what kind of profit they'll get if they get us all sick. I can't believe that you just believe whatever you read by some fancy name. What's it's, next, Nike? It's, it's not whatever I read. It's, it's just, it's, I wish you would listen to actual scientists on matters of scientists. 
I wish you would actually look around and see what people around you are going through. And you might make me feel like an idiot for listening to the guys at work, but they're real people that I see that they go through real things. No, they're real people. They're just not real scientists. Well, you know, I don't even want to talk about this anymore. If you're just going to insult me and insult the people that care about me, we can't talk about this. Okay, fine, fine. We don't have to talk about it anymore. I mean, I am, I, I don't want to bring out the big guns, but I do have to say, like, if you don't get the shot, you can't, you can't see my kids. I mean, you just can't. It's not okay. You cannot keep my grandkids from me. And you know what? What's next? I get this shot for you. You're going to tell me to inject gasoline next. I can't do that. I can't. No. Get out. We're done. You need to leave. this episode, interpersonal communication, conversation, and negotiation expert Misha Globerman will break down what went wrong in that interaction and provide in-depth advice on how you can avoid dead-end debates, fruitless arguments, and relationship-destroying disagreements. All of that after this commercial break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp, and I'm very proud to have BetterHelp as a sponsor. I was using BetterHelp before they became a sponsor, and I was very excited to learn that they wanted to sponsor this program. I have recommended BetterHelp to people. I know people right now who I've recently onboarded. I had a friend who had a really difficult medical event and was experiencing a completely new range of anxieties and feelings and concerns. And I recommended therapy. I'd never gone to therapy before. And this helped. Now, a lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If our time was unlimited, how would you use it? And the best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what is that special thing? What is important to you? What is that thing that deserves to take that slot, that precious time? How do you make that a priority? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, I really recommend giving BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and you will get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. You can do that several times and really lock in with a therapist that is able to generate with you that dynamic that's so important. I believe you should be in therapy. I believe everyone should be in therapy for a period of time at least in their lives to sort this out. What's important to you? How do you make it work? And you can learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Y-A-N-S-S today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Y-A-N-S-S. So you want to make better decisions 
and you have a business. You have a business and you want to make better decisions in that business. You need some sort of key performance indicators, a system for measuring what you're up to, what you're doing, measurable values that demonstrate how effectively your company is achieving your key business objectives. That's a KPI. And I have a recommendation for you. It's called NetSuite. You should be using NetSuite. Here's here's why. So your business gets to a certain size and the cracks start to emerge. Every business that's doing well, even if it's just starting to kind of do well, it'll start to form some fissures here and there. Things you used to do in a day will start taking a week and you'll have all sorts of manual processes that just there's too many. You can't get to everything. And you don't have one source of truth to make sense of it all, to make those better decisions. If that's you, you should know about three numbers. These are three numbers you should know. 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. That's a big number. 37,000. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system. Streaming accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. 25? 25 years? 25 years of helping businesses do more with less. Close their books in days, not weeks. And drive down costs. And one. Because your business is one of a kind. You don't want some sort of operation or app that's just made for whoever comes along. No, you get a customized solution for creating those KPIs that you need. One efficient system with one source of truth made for one business, your business. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow all in one place. When you have everything you need in one place, all these biases all these fallacies that I talk about on this program, it's an incredible way to apply everything you learn about making better decisions by having one source from which to pull your evidence, your information. Right now, you can download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance for nothing, absolutely free. You just go to netsuite.com slash smart. You get it for free. That's netsuite.com slash not so smart to get your own KPI checklist. One more time, netsuite.com slash not so smart. And now we return to our program. Okay, Misha, who are you? And what do you do? <laughs> Who am I? Oh my God! Well, I'm. I, I I tell myself I'm Misha Globerman. That's my name. I do a bunch of things, but uh, the main thing I do is most of my work is centered around helping people have more effective conversations and uh, create more authentic connection in the conversations that they have. So a lot of that involves doing um, training, consulting, individual coaching, working inside of businesses, working with individuals, all that different kinds of stuff, facilitating meetings speaking at conferences, but almost all of it is around the idea of helping people form better connections in the conversations that they have. And, uh, and a big part of it is having, helping people get better outcomes 
in the most important conversations or the most difficult conversations, both in their work and in their lives. Uh, Full disclosure, uh, the book that I have coming out later this year, like there's a lot of Misha's wisdom in this book because one of the things that uh, has always fascinated me about Misha is that, and I'm referring to Misha in the third person over and over again because it's uncomfortable over Zoom, (laughs) um, is uh, I thought I already understood this stuff and would quickly realize, oh, I don't actually understand so much of this. And I'm supposed to be a person who wields the English language and to communicate and articulate concepts back and forth with other people and deal with anxieties and conflict. And I was like, yeah, I know how that works. And then very quickly, whenever you would advise me on things that I was researching for that book about how people do and do not change their minds, researching things about debate, researching things about conversation, about uh, sometimes persuasion, but often just how do I get my perspective out there in a way that respects the other perspective. I was astonished at how ignorant I was in all of this. And then you whimsically uh, made me feel even worse uh, until, until then you offered advice and then you also offered insights that st- have, have still stick with me. And um, also uh, another disclosure. So apparently that wasn't full disclosure. It was half disclosure. Here's the other half. The episode we did where we just talked in a, uh, in a kitchen about some stuff and we just sort of shot the shit consistently has been the most downloaded episode of this podcast. Um, and I'm wondering like, I guess this, uh, for both halves of that disclosure, one, there's one question is why do you think it's so astonishing uh, for people like myself and other people you probably have dealt with to realize how ignorant they are about certain aspects of interpersonal communication. And the other half of that is, why do you think that's the most popular podcast? Why do you think that's the most popular episode? Like, what is it that is compelling people so strongly in this domain? I mean, first of all, it's, I'm, it's really gratifying to know it's, that that stuff has all been so helpful. And I'm, you know, it's so, so flattered to be in the book in the ways that I am and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I mean, and, and also one thing I'll say is like, it's not like, trying to think of how to put it. Like when you have that feeling of like, oh man, like I can't believe that dumb thing I did. I still have that feeling. Like mm. I've been, I've thought about like nothing but this stuff for like 15 years. But like one of the reasons I like this area of study and inquiry so much is that to my perception, at least it's really deep. Like it's it's intellectually complex. It's emotionally difficult to do it. If all the stuff that you're that you're sort of, that I think of your podcast as being about, about sort of our cognitive biases and how to overcome them, like, where that comes up most is in our challenging conversations with other people. So, so when you're trying to deal with that, what you're trying to do is you're trying to do this intellectual exercise of getting the things right, but also this sort of deep psychological and emotional exercise of trying to, you know, bring as much metacognition as you can to your own biases and and feelings and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like, it's, it's a, it's it's deep, you know, and, and your body, you got to pay attention, you know, if you really do better, you got to pay attention to your body. And like, you know, a big thing I tell people is like, just like, you know, you can tell a lot about how a conversation is going by like how your shoulders feel, hmm. you know, like, like once you're sh- like for different people, like we have somatic cues, you're like, oh, like, you know, I think I'm calm, but I notice my shoulders are tensed up. And what that means is I'm, my cognitive biases are actually kicking in. Like I'm in hmm. like a stressful, you know? So when you, um, when you ask why is it the most popular thing, I think I have a, I think that the concise answers I think about is like other people are hard and other people are important. 
Ooh, that's right. Good. Like, yeah, like yeah. I mean, you think about, I guess to frame it in terms of your thing, like other people are hard is basically like sort of naive realism. It's like, it's very hard for us to break out of our own head and other people are important. Is like, just all the stuff about that. We're social animals. So like, what do we care most about our interactions with other people and our interactions with other people are, are challenging because I think in part, I mean, I think there's a bunch of reasons, but I think a lot of them have to do with the ways in which we get caught up in our own story. And also when we talk about communication to me, it's funny, like people always think about that as a sort of specialized realm, but I'm like, what I'm talking about is pretty much all of your interactions with all other <laughs> people. Like that's everything. That's yeah. not like a specialized realm. That's literally any, that's all, you know, I, I mean, I guess there are interactions that aren't communication, but there's not a lot of them. Mostly what we do with other people is communicate with them. I mean, the biggest thing in some ways, the biggest, like, like the meta thing that sort of is the envelope around everything else is the thing that you talked about earlier about the idea of theory and practice. And I think that one of the really interesting things for most people is that most people have a theory. They have a pre-existing theory of communication. That's actually pretty good. The, the, the problem isn't that their pre-existing theory is very good. Their problem is that one is that they're not so great at putting it into practice, but but more importantly than that, they don't notice that they don't put it into practice. So that one of the frameworks that I really love that comes from this guy, Chris Ardress, is has this idea of like around communication, what he calls the espoused theory and the theory in use. So he's like, we all have this, this way that we say we want to be. But then if you look at how we actually behave, we're not like that. So a real, a real example of that is like you ask someone like, you know, in situations of conflict in general, like, how do you think people should behave? And you're like, well, people should try to see the other person's point of view for sure. That's really important. And people should really listen to each other. You think, is that what you should do? Yeah, yeah, that's what I should do. And do you think that'll get you better outcomes? Oh yeah, that's totally, will get me better outcomes. Okay, also in system in situations of conflict, do you think a common problem is that someone just like becomes totally certain that they're right and doesn't listen to the other person? Oh yeah, I think that's really clearly a common problem. Do you think that you should try to avoid doing that? Oh yeah, I should totally, totally yeah, that's what I should do. Like in situations of conflict, what I should do is understand that there's two sides to the story, listen to the other person, um, be open-minded. That's totally what I should do. Uh, you know, and you can you can build out the whole framework. And then you say, great, let's look at this. Now, now, now you say, yeah, this conversation that, went, that I did yesterday didn't go well. Oh, let's look what happened. And what happened is you literally did the opposite of every <laughs> single thing that is your theory, but you didn't notice that you were doing it. So huh. what people say is they sort of say, like, in general, what I, and you say, so people, so people should try to see the other person's point of view, even when they're stressed out. Oh, yeah, even when they're stressed out, they should do that. Okay, let's look at the situation where you're stressed out. And, and it's like, one thing we do in the class when I, teach, when I teach these longer workshops is we have people bring in transcriptions of conversations they have that didn't go well. And 99% of the time, once you just look at them and be like, oh, did you... Did you just implement your own theory? Just what you think you should do? Did you do that? And they're like, and people, and it's always jaw dropping to people. And to me too, just to be clear, like I do this, it's mm -hmm. jaw dropping the, de the degree to which you don't do just the very most simple stuff that you think you should do. Sometimes in ways that are like glaringly obvious, sometimes in ways that are incredibly subtle, but people don't do it. So that's, that's one. Well, oh, that's fascinating. Now, I can tell you what the things are that you should do. There's like about three things you should do. do you want okay. To I, want, I want you to tell me that, but, uh, but the one thing that popped in my head is the, I I have done this. I don't know. Many other people have have we've had conversations about leaving a conversation feeling like it didn't go so well. Yep. And then not being able to pin down why. Right. Like, even though you were just there, just in it, it's like mysterious somehow. That what what do you think happened? They're like I felt like uh, right. so. Yeah, that's fascinating to me.
So as someone who's interested in behavior change, which is what I'm trying to do, right? Like I'm not trying to give people intellectual ideas. I'm trying to give people tools to allow them to change their own behaviors in ways that are useful for them. In terms of behavior change, that's a really important part of behavior change, to be able to reflect on something where you weren't happy with the outcomes. And like one step is to be able to say like, huh, what could I even have done differently? So you kind of begin to refine your theory. So, so at first your theory is like, whatever, maybe your theory is like, I should listen more and see the other person's point of view. But then when you look at your own conversations, you're like, you refine that. You're like, oh, right. I should listen more and see the other person's point of view. And also I don't do that when I get stressed out and I don't notice. So mm -hmm. that becomes part of your theory too. And so you kind of, you can do that by having that sort of reflection. So that, that kind of loop becomes part of the learning to be able to go back and say like, well, what could I have done differently? So we do that a lot. It reminds me of another thing that this is something that you, uh, you very quickly criticized my approach uh, in the early days and it, it put me on the right path. The thing about this was um, this, uh, it, it came out of a conversation about interest versus positions. And if you want to hear a long uh, rant about that, listen to the entire uh, previous, uh, two ep the, the, the first time we spoke about all this, it's, it's fascinating and it's great. But out of that, some tangent led to this uh, revelation from for me that have you asked yourself what why are you wanting to have this conversation with the other person? Have you what are you what are your what is your motivation for wanting why is this so pressing on you? Why do you keep returning to it? Why is this something you want so deeply? And it astonished me because I had just never really asked that question of myself. I thought the answer was because there's incorrect information floating around in the world and that can, right. that won't do. But that's true of uh so many people that I could be having that conversation with. It, why is it this one particular person? And um if you could wax a little poetic on that, I find that yeah. just absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think as humans, we tend, like, I think one thing that we tend to do is we tend to think that disagree, that all these conversations are about, that the conversations we have are about facts, about like, yeah, we, we make them up with the wrong thing. So, I, I mean, the, the, the classic example for me is just all the debates that happen within families around issues of politics and stuff like that. And and I think that in a huge number of those conversations, like, like again, it's like, okay, so you, you think whatever you think Donald Trump shouldn't be president and something, you know, and the other person thinks Donald Trump should be president. Like you, and you have a debate about that. Well, that's not going to change the presidency. Like, what are you trying to do? And, and typically what you're trying to do is you're trying to mend that relationship. Mm -hmm. that, that, that very often that's the motivation that the motivation of these things is it's hard, you know, in the family ones, it's like, it's hard, you know, you and you are important in my life and I love you. And it's hard for us. It makes it hard for me to get along with you that you hold these beliefs that are different than mine. So the solution you come to is like, okay, well, I'll just change change your beliefs. But that's like probably the least effective way to solve that problem. So, and again, and I think one thing that often helps is just like, yes, yeah, it's, it's figuring out what that motivation is and saying, well, oh, actually, what I'm concerned about isn't. I mean, I am concerned about the belief, but the reason I'm concerned about the belief is I'm concerned about the relationship. And so, a conversation you might have instead of saying, "Let me try to convince you that you're wrong," is say, "I find it really hard in our relationship how differently we see things, and I wonder what we can do about that." And now that's something that seems to me to be a much more solvable problem than I'm going to change your entire worldview over dinner. That feels so bonkers. <laughs> like I, I, I'm struck. This is one of those examples of like, you are familiar with this and on the outside of it, that feels so counterintuitive. And then I get this icky feeling of like, am I a bad person? Because that was counterintuitive. The, the, it also sounds shocking and thrilling to think that you could have that kind of openness of intent with another person, uh, yeah. especially someone you may have a long history of disagreeing with to the point that your relationship is at, at the breaking point that yeah. you, 
the first part of it that really blows my mind is yes, I can understand that somebody would try to resolve this icky feeling inside of themselves. Like, okay, it's hard for me to have a good relationship with you. It's hard for me to have the relationship I'd like to have with you because yeah. you have beliefs that I don't have on this area and that's important to me. And so, aha, the solution is I'll change your beliefs. Then we'll both think the same thing. Relationship solved. Okay. Yeah. That's, in, that's amazing that that's the sort of algebra that goes into the mind. That's the uh, the calculus. I don't know which math metaphor is uh, funnier. <laughs> but I think it's trig. Think that's it's trig the that's the trigonometry of the of the conversation. But also, what I love about this is this sort of things sort of related to this introspection illusion stuff is that um, I bet that that happens and you feel all those things, but it's never articulated and you don't even know that's what you're doing. And yeah. no, what happens. It, and then and then the, so the fact that I could just openly say to the other person what is actually the intent and that that mm -hmm. magically opens up a whole way of having conversations kills me. Do you want me, you want me, can, can you want to give us like a three minute model of the communications yes. model for you? Yes. Cause this leads into it nicely. So the communications model that we use, the main idea is that what you want to be is you want to be curious, which means like you want to think like, huh, I should maybe ask some questions. Maybe I'm not completely right. Maybe the other person knows some things and you want to be um, transparent. And that means you want to, you want to say the important things that need to be said and, and the things that are going on in your head, you want to find ways to say, to say them. The third thing is you kind of want to be compassionate, which means you want to imagine that they're also a person, things like that. And the curiosity part, I think is the much more obvious thing to people. Like when you ask people what they want to be like in conversations, they tend to say things like, I want to listen. I want to consider the other person's point of view. I want to, I want to, you know, I want to understand there's two sides of the story. They get that whole curiosity part. What they don't get as much right away is the transparency part, which is that you need to say things. You need to say the stuff that you're thinking. And the example we just talked about here, those, those are really good examples of what happens in transparency. So you're having this conversation with someone. And the idea of transparency, the really short version of transparency is that if you're having a conversation and there's a voice in your head screaming something that you're not saying, you want to find a way to say that. Mm. Now, your the voice in your head isn't going to tell you how to say it. It's going to scream in ways that aren't useful. But but that when we're having difficult conversations, there are the, the, the thoughts that we're having are often very different from the words that we're saying. And that's a sign that you're in trouble. And the remedy in that case really is, in most cases, to find ways to say the things that you're thinking. So as an example, the example, like a really standard example would be that you're having that debate with your loved one at the dinner table and you're talking more and more about whatever government policy you're arguing about. But what the voice in your head is screaming is like, I can't stand that we're getting along like this, but you don't say that wow. but the voice in your head is screaming is your voice in your head is screaming i can't believe that you're my dad and you think things this way but you're not saying that you're just talking about the policy talking about the policy talking about the policy and what he's what the voice in his ear is screaming is like i raised you and i can't believe how much it breaks my heart that you see things so differently than i do you know and and the voice in your head might be saying those in quite cruel ways but it's some but what you're doing is you just put them aside so what the trans what the principle of transparency says is that you're not going to resolve that conversation as long as those things remain unsaid as long as those issues remain unaddressed. So to me, it's like, it's a transparency thing. At some point in the conversation, you say, you know what, we've been talking about this government policy for a long time, but I got to say this, or even when it's things like, it's like, you're, you're thinking like, I hate having this conversation. You can literally say like, I hate having this conversation. I hate how this conversation is going. And you can say all those other things, but a lot of it is, it's just like looking into what are the things, like what are the literal just thoughts you're having while you're having the conversation and figuring out a productive way to give those voice. And very often those are th those are really those are often meta things like wow this conversation is feeling really hard for me now, wow I'm I'm really scared to raise this issue wow I feel like 
I don't like how we're getting along here. Say those things out loud. The second you do, now you, you've solved a lot of the problem, I think, or you're, you're on your way to a solution. That's another, I'll tell you, one thing we do, do, you yeah, mind, please. do in the class, one thing we do in the class when we have people write up their conversations that didn't go well, what we have them do is we have them write down, you know, to the best of their recollection, what they and the other person said. And when they look at what they said, they notice that they just were sort of, motor, you know, pushing through their point of view, didn't ask any questions, those kinds of things. But we also have them wrote down what they thought. And usually what we find in, in again, like 90, 95% of the conversations is that the most important things that the people thought were never said out loud. Hmm. That what they go in is they go in and they, you know, have an argument with their boss about some petty, small issue. And what they're thinking is like, this happens all the time and it drives me crazy. But what they do instead is they argue about the petty, small issue, but they don't name the larger pattern of which it's a part. Or, you know, or they just, or they just avoid conflicts altogether. People say like, can you go do this thing? And they say, yeah, I'll do it right away. And what they're thinking is like, it's impossible. And they just don't even say it. And just the degree to which people don't the empirical thing that I see in the teaching that I do that's surprising to me because it wasn't as obvious to me just on reflection until I started seeing it is the degree to which like people mess up their conversations by just not saying the important things in the conversation, like with remarkable frequency. This is the part where I want to look at the video with you because, uh, and I've got an idea here. We'll, we'll watch, we'll look at the video together and we'll do a little pause, talk about pause, talk about. Oh yeah. That sounds awesome, man. That sounds amazing. So, uh, Hey mom, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Hey, listen, I wanted to know, um, I don't suppose you've changed your mind at all about getting the vaccine. Have you? Of course I didn't just change my mind. Well, uh, have you, did you read the articles that I sent you? Well, I looked them over and I saw they were all from different liberal media. And so there was one I looked at, it was too long. So like right off the bat, there's like one of the things that I do. So when I do it, I'm doing it wrong. Is that even that first question, hey, did you read that article I sent? It's like a beautiful example of a thing that happens a lot is we ask questions that aren't really questions. Like I'm not asking because I'm curious. I'm actually being like, hey, you should you should have read that article. So just like even just the fact that like it's it looks like a question, but it's not actually being curious. And let it go on a bit. I could send you a summary if you want. I mean, it's it's really important information. I understand if you're busy or if it's not what you want, but I mean, I can send you different information. I, I just it's just so important. So again, right off the bat, like what I'm shot. trying to do is I am just um, I'm just trying to change her mind. I'm trying to change her mind. I'm trying to get her behavior. I'm trying to make her do things. Like there's no part of me that's collaborative. There's no part of me that's curious. I'm sort of nice for three seconds, but then basically I'm like listen to all the information I've given you, do the thing that I want you to do. I mean, send me whatever you want, but you know, I'm not going to trust everything I read. And I don't think you should either. And it's just that there's, I don't trust everything, but there's just like, there's, there's so, there's so much research. I mean, there, there's, there's so much research right now showing how abundantly safe it is and also how, how dangerous the, the COVID is right now. Well, you should know where I get my information from. There's a lot of danger to the vaccine too. And, you know, you can't just believe everything you read. It doesn't matter. This is matter pretty much like what a difficult conversation times. normally looks like. We have two people who are both just advocating for their point of view. Nobody's, nobody really has any curiosity about what the other person's saying. And when you think about it, there's really no sense in people even talking. I'm not, she's said explicitly, I'm not going to change her mind. She's clearly not going to change my mind. So now what we're basically doing is we're just hitting each other with words, but nothing much is going to happen. Let's see. I, I, I guess, I mean, I guess I just want to know like what I can, what I can show you. I mean, to, 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 pers to persuade you, because it really, 
it's just so important that you take it. And 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 it's it's just abundantly clear, you know, there, you know, the the, the the it's you know it's been approved now, and there's just more and more evidence from from so many sources, you know. I I just I worry because your health is at risk, you know, and I just want you to get the vaccine. You're not getting any younger. My health is at risk if I inject some mystery goo into my arm, and what if it gives me cancer in five years? We don't know, and I just am so tired of you being a guinea pig, and I'm not going to be a guinea pig. Well, it's not. It's not. It's not going to give you cancer. They they kind of know that now. I mean, if you look at the links that I sent, it's it's abundantly clear. They know. It's funny. I just feel like I remember kind of just like, like use the phrase like abundantly clear. Like it's just like so. I'm like literally saying out loud again and again. Like just so you know, like I'm right and you're wrong. I'm right and you're wrong. Like just so you know, I'm right and you're wrong. Now, now stepping, David, stepping back from the conversation, I just want to make clear. To me, there's no question on like whether the vaccine's a good idea. I think the vaccine's a good idea. And what I'm not saying is like, oh, there's both sides, you know, both sides are equal. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that if you're talking to someone um, who doesn't believe that, then that's, that's what's happening. You can't, the fact that you happen to know that you're right, isn't going to transform it. I mean, she's, this, this isn't going to, none of this is going to change her mind. And so it just keeps not doing that. Like there, I know the vaccine seems new, but there's been just lots of research leading up to it, you know, up until now, um, you know, decades of research that lead up to it. So they know the kinds of side effects that they typically see, and they're, they're not seeing those here. So it's not going to be, you know, it's, it's not mystery goo. They are. They always know until they don't know. And then people find out 10 years later, they could sue for some money, but their health is ruined. And I, that's not going to be me. And I'm so upset that you did that to your own body, but you're not going to force it to me to do it to my body. I don't know. I mean, if you would just look at the evidence, you know, it's just, it's so abundantly clear. It's so, there, there, there's so much going on, you know, and, and we know it's in it. We know the research, we know it's in the vaccine, you know, and also what we know is like the, the Delta variant's terrible. It's really, really we also hear really like um, going tone crazy. and like language, like we're both being like, you know, we're, our, our voices are raised, we're speaking fast. We're like, you know, just even if you couldn't hear the words, even if you just heard like the the music, the sounds of it, you can, it doesn't sound like people who are talking to each other compassionately and listening. There's this sort of emphaticness, right? Where we're just trying to change each other's minds. Well, what I know is just what people that care about me tell me. And you know, the guys at work have told me they've gotten sick. Their parents have gotten sick when they got the shot. And I know people who have gotten bad reactions from it. The guys at work? Is that, is, you're listening to the guys at work? Yeah. Who are you talking to at work? The guys that actually care about me, these people that care about me, I know they're not being paid by some big pharma people. They and aren't where did they, where, did, where did they get their PhDs in epidemiology? Where'd you get yours? I, but I'm, I'm, I'm quoting people who did. I mean, you're, you're thinking the guys at work. I'm talking to like, I'm talking like this, you know, the Center for Disease Control and New England Journal of Medicine, the World Health Organization. I mean, these are the smartest people in the world and you're balancing their opinions against like your friends at work. It's maddening. You can't trust it because it just has some big name behind it. You don't know who bought them out. You don't know what kind of profit they'll get if they get us all sick. I can't believe that you just believe whatever you read by some fancy name. What's it's, next, Nike? It's, it's not whatever I read. It's, it's just, it's, I wish you would listen to actual scientists. You also see how it sort of escalates, right? Like part of it is it sort of starts off and like kind of having this civil conversation a little bit. And then as we just keep pushing, we get you get more and more and more impatient with each other. And each person becomes more upset that they're not being listened to. And we're both doing it, right? I mean, this was an exercise in, when we get this exercise, it was an exercise in how to be the character that I'm playing, you know, how to how to do a better job of talking to your loved one who's vaccine hesitant. But but both characters are doing this, right? Both people are just sort of pushing back harder and harder, getting more and more frustrated. And the conversation just goes worse and worse. I wish you would actually look around and see what people around you are going through. And you might make me feel like an idiot for listening to the guys at work, but they're real people that I see that they go through real things. 
no, they're real people. They're just not real scientists. Well, you know, I don't even want to talk about this anymore. If you're just going to insult me and insult the people that care about me, we can't talk about this. Okay, fine, fine. We don't have to talk about it anymore. I mean, I am, I, I don't want to bring out the big guns, but I do have to say, like, if you don't get the shot, you can't, you can't see my kids. I mean, you just can't. It's not okay. You cannot keep my grandkids from me. And you know what? What's next? I get this shot for you. You're going to tell me to inject gasoline next. I can't do that. I can't. No. Get out. We're done. You need to leave. So that's a, so, right. so, so <laughs> in part it's like, you know, it comes to the point where people are just saying out loud, like, I don't want to have this conversation anymore. I want to talk about this, you know, um, and that just kind of goes on and on. I remember the chat before you play the second clip. I remember that in the chat, people were absolutely stunned because like, this sounds exactly like the conversations that I keep having. And even, even though they could objectively observe it and go, well, you know, he's doing this and he's, uh, he's sunsplaining, as they said, uh, <laughs> or he's, he's so condescending. He's not listening to her. Why can't he see that he's not listening to her? Like there was, there were an immediate objective analysis that could see the truth of it while at the same time saying, this is also what I do every time. Exactly. That's right. And that's the beauty of being able to step outside of it and being like, right, this isn't the way to do it. And yet it totally makes sense. I mean, if you're in it, if you're the son, you're like, my mom's engaging in this behavior that's you know, putting her life in danger and, and putting, you know, my, you know, putting my health at risk, my kid's life at risk by hanging out with her. Like, of course I should just change her mind. That's what I should do. But the problem is that what people forget is that what his mom's thinking isn't, I'm wrong. I wait for my son to change her mind. What's going through her mind is my son's trying to inject me to, in, in, trying to get me to inject this dangerous substance into my body. Um, and he's, and he's injected a dangerous substance into his body. And like, and you have to step inside of her story and see how, you know, if, if you want to have the conversation go well, even if you think she's totally wrong, which I do to have a conversation with you, you can't, you can't do it from inside of your own story and you can't be pushing so much. And one thing that happens in that conversation a lot, I mean, like you say in the conversation with mom is, yeah, this is the degree to which like, she says a whole bunch of stuff that's interesting and useful. I just don't listen to any of it. I just kind of rebut it. So let's, let's see if we can find the part where, so then we do the second go where I try to um, apply more of the principles that I talk about. And those principles are um, stopping pushing so that you're not actually, you're not constantly trying to push for the outcome you want. That doesn't mean you give up on it, but you're not sort of at every step trying to, trying to change their mind, trying to make it go your way. So you push less, you listen more, um, you bring more curiosity to it. Like you actually come with the idea that the other that the other person might have some information for you that's useful, even if it's just information about their own motivation or how they see it, but to be genuinely curious what's going on there. Um, and also say out loud the things that matter to you. And, and like, as you were saying earlier, like be more explicit about what your goals are, but both with yourself and with them. So it, it might be as much about the relationship, for instance, as it is about the facts of the matter. So I think we do a bunch of those things. Let's see if we can find where that group is. Hey, Juliet. So let's, are you ready? We'll start again. And this conversation, I should say, this happens after the last one. So this is actually in sequence. Hey, mom, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm okay. Um, I wanted to talk about how that last conversation went. I, I, I found it pretty hard. Yeah, it was frustrating and it really hurt. Yeah, me too. It hurt for me too. I'm, I'm really sorry. I don't want us to be hurting each other. I, I love you and I don't want us to, to be like that. Well, you know, I love that you're smart, but you could be a bit of a know-it-all and I just don't want you to treat me like an idiot. I'm really sorry. So, so right I'm away now, we're all of a sudden we're bringing all this transparency to the conversation that all this stuff that was present in the last conversation, right? Like in the previous conversation, you can see how we were both thinking, like, I hate how this is going. This is frustrating for me, but we weren't actually giving voice to any of that. Most of the time we were just getting angrier and angrier, but to actually say like, Hey, you know, this actually feels bad for me. And, and one thing you see too, is how quickly, um, 
it's sufficient just for you to do that. That when you start to do that, the other person does it back. So if I say, yeah, I felt kind of bad about it. Then she can say, yeah, I felt bad about it too. Sometimes you're a know-it-all. It doesn't feel good to me. I don't like it. So, so immediately just by changing your behavior, um, their behavior changes too. And we'll see that throughout. So in the same way as when you push, they push back. If you're open, they're open back. If you collaborate, they're collaborative back. So let's see what happens from here. And I do think like looking back on that conversation, I feel like I really was kind of pushing you in a way that wasn't fair. Like I, I do, you know, I'll admit, I want you to get the vaccine, but you're an adult and I can't control what you do. And I'm sorry if it felt like I'm pushing you or not respecting you. Well, I appreciate you saying that. So if, if it sounds, a, so I'd love to find a way for us to be able to talk about this, but without it feeling so frustrating and difficult for both of us. I have some ideas about that. Would it be okay if I talked about that? Yeah, I can give it a bit of time. So part of what's happening there too is very often it is like just establishing consent together in the conversations that a lot of conversations that go bad, what's happening is you're actually pushing a conversation on the other person that they don't want to have. Um, I can have a conversation where I'm going to change your mind and we're going to start now. And they're like, yeah, I don't even want to have that. But so what happens here is there's like an explicit, like, Hey, I have an idea for a conversation you might want to have. Is that something you want to have? So you're being transparent about what you want to do. And you notice too, when I do that, I'm not hiding the fact that I wanted to get a vaccine. I'm saying, look, just so you know, I really do want you to, um, to get the vaccine. That's transparent. But and but I want to find a way for us to for us to have a conversation together that might serve both of our needs, which is sort of more more collaborative. Is that okay with you? I, I was thinking that like one way we might explore this is rather than sort of me trying to persuade you you're wrong and you're trying to persuade me back, that maybe we can like just talk about what's going on here a little bit. And maybe I could maybe I could get try to get a better understanding of how you see things. Maybe I can share a little bit about how I see things. Maybe we can. I don't know, we can see if there is some common ground. So what I'm doing there is something that's really important, I think, especially in difficult conversations, is that very often in difficult conversations, the first conversation you need to have is what we call, like in the business, a conversation about process. That you need to just get agreement, like, hey, here's what we're going to, here's what we're trying to do here. Here's what this conversation is about, I think. Do you think that's a good idea? I think in a lot of the most difficult conversations, what happens is that both parties haven't even agreed on, like, what the conversation is, what the goals are. And one really important thing is to set goals that both parties would agree to. So if the goal is, I'm going to try to change your mind, the other person's going to be like, yeah, I don't want to have that conversation. But if the goal is, hey, let's try to understand each other's point of views and points of view and see if we can get along better, they might actually agree to those goals. And I set out like a really specific kind of map in that. And then after that, maybe we can see if we can kind of learn together. How does, how does that sound? Yeah, that sounds all right. So let me ask you some questions just in terms of like how you're feeling about all this. So, so right off, I'm going to your... leave with curiosity. I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to do any advocating. I'm not, I just want to see how you're feeling. Right. What are you most concerned about with the vaccine? Well, you know, everything's just so confusing right now. It's first we need masks and no masks and masks again. And there's every different brand of the vaccine. One of them got recalled. It just is so, so much to keep up with. And it, yeah, I just want to tune it out. Right. So it's confusing. So it's lots and lots of different information. And so part of it is just that that confusion makes it hard to make a decision. Yeah. No one knows what's going on. And it just seems like everything's a rush job that's getting messed up every step of the way. Makes sense. Right. So it all feels rushed. It feels confusing. It's 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 it feels like it's changing all the time. Is that right? Yeah. And I just don't trust it. And then it, it sounds to me like when you talk about that mistrust, like so it sounds to me like there's some sort of fundamental mistrust that you have about the vaccine. Where, where does that where does that come from? Well, you know, I've been around longer than you and I've seen what things that big farm has done to us and they always put profit over health and I don't want to be the next guinea pig for their big experiment to make more money. And, you know, I can't trust, I don't know which news to trust because I don't know which ones are bought out or not. And 
it's hard to know what to trust and what so, to do. So again, being like really genuinely curious, trying to understand where her motivations come from, asking her these questions, giving her space to talk. Sure. No, I mean, I, I mean, I got. I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of big pharma either. I mean, I, I think a lot of the stuff you think about them. I, I think those things too. I kind of got that from you. I think. Well, I hope you did, and I'm glad to hear. So then that. there's also like establishing right. There are some things that we agree about. We both think big pharma is not trustworthy. We can find things that we both agree about. That's part of it. And I think part of it in there too, because there's this relationship, is saying something like I got. You know, I got that from you is maybe not totally explicitly, but but naming the relationship, naming we do care about. You know, we do care about some of the same things. Notice that. Yeah, you did bring me up. It's important. Yeah, no, for sure. I guess, I guess for me, like, well, I guess for me, I was sort of over to overcome that mistrust in some ways, but, and we can, I guess we can talk about that in a bit. I guess I'm curious, how are you, how are you, how do you like feeling about this whole situation? Like, if you feel, are you feeling just like emotionally? I'm horrified. I'm scared that you already got it. A lot of people I care about already got it. Um, you know, it's just, and now I might be forced to get it. It just seems it's all around me. So you're scared about like the fact that I got the vaccine is frightening to you? It's scared. I don't know what'll happen to you. Yeah, you put something in your arm, you're a little guinea pig, and I don't want five, 10 years down the line for you to be another case. I hadn't even really thought about that. So you're so specifically, that's like a source of, of fear for you, just me and me and the kid, me, me and me and my family getting the vaccine. You know I care a lot about you, and I know we've been arguing about this, but it's because I'm scared and it's because I care about you. Yeah, it's I'm horrified and it feels like you don't care at all. Yeah, that's interesting. No, and of course, I mean, I think, I think the reality is like we both care. Like, I, I think one of the things that's becoming clearer to me is like we kind of both want the same things. We just have really, really different ideas about how. And to And so, get I think there. one like, of the things illustrating here is as as I start to listen, that that discovering that you can be curious while still not um, agreeing with the other person's point of view. Like, I'm not starting to think like, oh yeah, you're right. The vaccine is a terrible is a terrible idea. I'm not thinking that. But where I am learning is I'm I'm starting to learn more why my mom, who's, you know, someone I care about and respect, might conceivably think that, and also how it might feel for her to be in this situation, given that she does think that. So I'm not just, I'm not just like letting her, like, you know, letting her vent, like I'm, I'm, I'm listening and I'm learning and it's changing. It's changing how I see the situation. And that's what real curiosity is. Real curiosity means you're not just like sort of, you know, watching your watch while the other person talks. It's, you're actually learning something. And in this case, I'm learning a lot about how she sees things, how she feels, what her concerns are. And that's important, especially given that this conversation is as much about our relationship as it is about the facts. I care tremendously about, you know, about your health. I mean, I care about your health so much. I care about my health. I want us to be well. And I, I get that you care about my health too and, and about your health and about the kids and all that. And it was just, we have such different ideas about how to get. I really want to name that too. One thing that often people think is they think that um, when I say like to be collaborative or something like that, that it means, um, letting go of your conviction. So when I say we have such different ideas about how to get there, I'm naming the fact, like I'm not, I'm not glossing over it. I'm like, no, no, we see things really differently. I'm not glossing over that at all. It's, it's an explicit part of it. I'm just kind of not operating within the story where, where I'm right and she's wrong. I'm like, but I'm still naming that, if that makes sense. So the conversation doesn't presuppose which of us is right and wrong, even though I can say like, we see things differently and I really strongly disagree with you. I think a lot of it's because we trust different sources. But, yeah, but we do really want different things. Yeah, it seems like it. You know, I know you care about me too, so that's what makes this all hard. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I was scared too about the vaccine when, when, when I first heard about it, like when they first, first started talking about a vaccine, I was scared about it too. Like I thought like, wow, they're going to come up with like a brand new medicine and they're going to give it to everybody in the world all at once. Like I was like, that, that does sound sort of scary. I, mean, I was able to, I don't feel as much that way anymore, but I, I mean, I get why it's scary. Well, I'm glad you said that because I felt like you were the first one to be on the test dummy for all this. And, you know, I was so worried about you. It felt like you didn't even think about it. You know, it's possible I didn't express those fears because I was kind of worried that they would make you more hesitant or something like that. So I kind of kept them to myself a little bit. I regret doing that now. Yeah, I wish you told me, but, you know, it makes sense. And I'm glad you have a little bit of that skepticism I raised you with. I can't believe that you went just got something in your arm you had nothing about. No, no nothing about. So again, like lots of transparency, lots of curiosity. Um, you know, and again, the notice that the mom's doing back, that back too, that the more I'm able to be sort of sympathetic to her position, the more that I'm able to be curious about her, the more I'm able to talk about my feelings in an open, vulnerable way, the more that she, the more that she does that too. Um, and, and we start to, instead of becoming like this escalating conversation of fighting, it becomes a conversation of two people who, who love each other, who are in a hard situation created by disagreement, but who are working together to solve that problem rather than working against each other to just change each other. Yeah, no, I can see how that'd be really upsetting. I mean, so from your point of view, it's like, I'm not, I'm not, I haven't inherited the sort of skepticism you tried to instill in me. And now like I'm putting myself at risk because I'm being too credulous. The thing I do a lot of too in the conversation that I think people often have a hard time thinking about is like doing paraphrase. Like a lot of the things she says, what I do is I summarize them back. And I think often, uh, and that's a really helpful way um, to assist your own thinking and also to let the other person know that they've been heard. Um, I think for a lot of people, it feels like that can be really uh, feel really fake and artificial. I think it feels fake and artificial if it's done in a way that's fake. But I, I think in this conversation, I'm curious if people watching it feel that way, it feels pretty organic. And if you do it organically, it actually, I think, can be really helpful. Yeah, it's just off the rails. And you're an adult, so I can't control you, but I'm, I'm scared for you. Yeah, I feel the same way about you. That's so weird. Right, so I'm going to stop for a minute. And what I imagine is that we're going to talk, we're talking like this for a while and kind of continuing to build up this rapport and building this trust. And I want, because I didn't want this to happen too fast, but I want to sort of move on to a next part of the conversation um, where we're going to do, uh, there'll be like a little bit of persuasion stuff, which is actually kind of different than some of the tools you'll see here. But I, I, I don't know, it's, it's compatible with some other tools I thought we'd throw in. So, so, so imagine we're a few minutes, a few, a few minutes later, or maybe in a second conversation. So how are you? How are you? I'm, I'm feeling a lot better about this stuff now. How are you feeling now about the? Yeah, it feels better. Feels like you're hearing me out now. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. I feel like we're listening to each other a lot better. You know, I think. Um, I, and I think so much of it for me feels like you know I really was scared about it initially, and then after reading more, I started to feel less scared about it. And I know we have different sources, um, but I wondered if I could share with you like some of the things that that made me feel less scared. Can I talk with you a little bit about that? I'm glad you filtered through, but you know, I don't want to read anything from New York Times or whatever else, you know, so you better bring me some good sources. Well, I can tell you a little bit about it right now. If you want to hear, do you want to? You don't have to. So see, I'm doing one thing I'm doing is like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do some persuasion. So I'm doing a lot of, a lot of consent, like being like, hey, just if you want. So, so supposed to going in and being like, I'm going to change your mind. I'm going to change your mind. I'm going to change your mind. It's more like, hey, listen, if you want, and really only if you want, I have some information that may help you understand a little bit where my point of view comes from, but that's really up to you. And I'm not going to like force this on you if you don't want it. And that's critically important. So it's a real difference, right? So she's asking for this information or, or agreeing to have this information as opposed to like me just like bludgeoning her with it. And that's a, that's about this sort of compassion and respecting someone else's autonomy part. Well, all right. A little I mean, bit. A lot, 
a lot of it is just like really understanding. There's a lot of great stuff that I've read that really explains like how the vaccine was researched. And I know it sounds like I did it so, did it so quick, but once you look at how they did it, it's actually really cool how they did the work. And it's also really impressive, like how many decades of research there are that actually go into this. So it's actually not as sort of unproven and untested as it seems. Um, that was the impression I got. And I, if you want, I can send you some sources on that. All right. You know, well, you know, I don't have too much time to read them. So maybe you can come over and read them to me. Sure. I'd be glad to do that. I know you didn't want the New York Times. And so I, I dug around and I found some more uh, conservative sources if that might uh, serve you better. Well, I hope so. We'll see. All right. Well, I'd be glad to have a look at them together. All right, I'll see you soon. See you soon. Okay, great. So that's it. You know, you see, we see the difference. I mean, we, we interrupted it a lot, so I hope that people can still get, get a feel for it. But just the difference between that first one where you're just pushing, 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 and getting into a bigger fight. And then we're actually listening to each other, um, talking about, you know, having those transparent conversations about how people are feeling, asking each other questions, um, being genuinely curious about what each other have to say, and like, and sort of, um, collectively building consent around what's actually happening in the conversation so that we both agree on what we're doing and we agree on the next steps. So I'm not like forcing her to have a conversation she doesn't want to have. And you see, and it goes, and of course they're staged, but I hope it seems natural. You sort of see how the second one goes really different. From the top down, it's like what you want is you want the conversation ultimately to be that it's not a conversation of you pushing and then pushing back, but rather a conversation where you're working together in some way. Even if you disagree, maybe you're working together to resolve that disagreement as opposed to working against each other. So you want to move from sort of a antagonistic conversation to a collaborative conversation. And the, and the principles that we use to do that are, um, there's three of them. It's using curiosity, which means you're generally interested in what the other person has to say and, and think that they may have some information that you don't have that's going to help. There's transparency which means actually naming the things that are going on in your head, actually saying things. So saying like, I feel upset in, in this conversation, saying things like, I feel upset when I heard that, or even saying something like, yeah, I, I, I had that idea, but I didn't say it to you before because I was worried it wouldn't serve my purposes. Those kinds of things are transparency. And then those things are sort of brought together with compassion, which is just understanding that like the other person's a person and not just like a, you know, an obstacle to be manipulated, that they have their own perspective, they have their own fears, they have their own suffering, and and maybe you care about those things. These things all uh, have something in common, and that is that I've noticed this, I've had other conversations with other people who do, uh, who are scientists who study this sort of thing, and I have spoken about some of the things you've told me and some of the things I've learned in writing that book in, in interviews, and something that comes up in this moment, I feel it happening to me here. You have to, the honesty is actually what makes this work Yeah, in that you actually, you cannot uh, have a, you cannot mend a relationship, have a, uh, a fruitful conversation or persuade a person to, in, a, in such a way that you hope helps them unless you actually want those things and you actually are curious, you actually are sharing how you truly feel, you actually do have compassion for that person. If you fake any of this, it leaves uh, this domain and goes into coercion. It goes into manipulation. It goes into some unethical realm just by actually caring and being truly honest and transparent and curious and compassionate. All of a sudden you're being very ethical and moral at the same time. The, the, the inkiness of it, the murkiness of this, and also the um, the the sense that maybe I am not being forthcoming, and that some of this is like I'm I'm some sort of tricky con artist in this thing. All of that just 
evaporates once you actually are being honest and curious and compassionate and all the rest of it. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think a lot of these techniques, I think a few things about them. I think a lot of the time, yeah, you got, it's, it's gotta be real. Like it's gotta be, it's not about the behaviors you do. It's about the mindset that you're in. So it's about sort of being in and staying in a mindset where you're actually curious and actually interested in trans being transparent and actually being compassionate and actually not pushing to get your way. And, and all the techniques just flow out of that mindset. And, and can, so ultimately, like when I teach the classes, it's like, it's more about instilling the mindset than about specific techniques, because also the techniques, most of the time they don't work really well if you're not in the right mindset. Like that's when people start to feel phony. Like when people are doing this stuff and you're like, ah, something's amiss. Like you can usually tell, like, unless someone's like a super skilled con artist or something, but for most of us, if we try to use these skills when we're not actually feeling it, we're just going to come off. We're just going to come off as phony and rub people the wrong way a bit. So the real trick is getting into that headspace. I think part of what you were saying too. So, so one thing's about the idea that it's about the mindset, not about the behaviors, but the other thing too, is that, um, which I find really interesting. I think you were sort of saying was that you were sort of, sort of just talking like moral or ethical or something like that. It comes up almost every single time. Like, th- aren't you worried about this being unethical or aren't you worried that people, whatever, and if you're talking to someone who's really into politics, they'll say, aren't you worried about the person on the other side doing whatever we're doing toward nefarious ends? And it seems to me the ground truth of what they're trying to get across is, um, when are, are you engaging in some sort of manipulation here is what it comes down to. Yeah. And I think part of it is like, I think one of the things about most of these techniques, there's a, there's a good test. This is a thing that comes from Roger Schwartz. I think there's a good test. Like for me, a big test of whether a strategy is manipulative is um, you should be able to say it out loud. And if you can say the strategy out loud, then it's not manipulative. So you can say to the person, Hey, listen, in my last conversation, I felt what happened is we were really antagonistic toward each other. I wasn't listening much. I wasn't really telling you what was going on. I'd like the conversation to go more smoothly. And so what I'm going to try to do is I want to be more curious with you. And I want to be more honest about what's going on. Cause I think that'll help the conversation go smoothly. How do you, what do you think about that? So that's great. That's, that's really different from saying like, we're going to go into negotiation. What I'm going to do is I'm going to try to get you to name a number first. Cause then I'll have an upper hand or what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to name a number first. And that's going to have an anchoring effect on you. Those strategies are manipulative because I can't say them out loud. But so, so the good strategies are the ones where you can show your cards, not just about the content, but about the strategies themselves, about the game. You can say, here's, here's how I want to do this conversation. And here's why. And even in the conversation with my mom, with the mom and the, the role play, I could even be transparent about that. Say, listen, ultimately I got to say for me, what I'm hoping is that ultimately you're going to change your mind. Now we're going to have this conversation in this conversation. I really want to know what you're thinking. And I, I also want us to understand each other better. And if I don't change your mind, I'll be okay. But just to be clear, like, of course, that's my hope. My hope is that you change your mind, but I, I know I probably can't do that. So let's see if we can understand each other better. So I don't even have to hide that. That's, you know, that that's my hope. Um, I can be transparent even about that. Um, but the more that you can be transparent, the less it starts to feel like it's manipulative. And also a thing that makes it less manipulative is if you're doing this stuff right, you're working toward a goal that both of you are gonna share. So the real goal isn't, I'm gonna change your mind. The real goal is, let's see if we can feel less stress between us. Let's feel if we can get along better. Let's see if we can understand each other better. And those are shared goals. You don't have to be as manipulative to get them. And that's that's helpful too. I love when things break down like this. Um, I like the idea that that maybe one of the things that's causing you to have such a problem is that you are being manipulative. You are uh, hiding your intentions. You are condescending this person to the nth degree by not even assuming that they could, if you were to be honest about what you're doing, then you wouldn't get what you want out of this thing. And so you don't even, you actually truly should accept 
you don't respect that person on some level. And that's part of why you're not having good conversations with them. Uh, I feel like when you commit to something like you're talking about here, the things you teach in your workshops, you will walk away feeling like a little, you should walk away feeling called out a little bit about how you've been approaching people. And maybe that's one of the sources of why you are having difficult conversations. Yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the things that I find really joyous about this work is that for a lot when we talk very often the beginning of class, we'll sort of ask people how they aspire to be in these conversations. And they name a bunch of things like being more curious, being more collaborative. And one of the things that I point out is that for most people, that's both um, what they think will get them better outcomes. And it maps on pretty well with just like who they aspire to be as a person, like imagining themselves to be in their best themselves. And one of the really nice things about this work, and I, I don't think I'm being too like Pollyannish or optimistic about it, is that in, in the vast majority of cases, it just it just so happens that those goals coincide, that the thing that you're going to do that's going to get you the best outcome in the conversation is also the thing that you would want to do to be the kind of person, you know, the kind of caring person who you would aspire to be. And it's funny because we tend to think that, oh, the way to get what I want is to like, be more of a jerk or be more competitive or be more manipulative. But the truth is in many of these situations, those strategies actually backfire on us. And the actual best way to get what you want, there's, it's not a trade-off between being a nice person and getting what you want. It's that the strategies to get what you want happen to be the same strategies for being a good person, which is a happy fact about these situations. do this workshop i'm going to be at this workshop and i'm going to be there to 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 help in all sorts of different ways you're going to hear about things you're going to get more into the nitty-gritty of it and there's also going to be an opportunity for uh, a role play like this regardless you're going to get to see one what can people expect from the workshop you should the main thing we're going to do in this workshop is it's going to be so the the role play we just watched here was one that was scripted and prepared the thing we're going to do in this workshop i'm i'm like i'm like 90 excited and 10 scared because we're gonna we're gonna be doing this thing it's going to be largely improvised without a net I've done these workshops before in like a smaller workshop setting with 20, 30 people, but this is my first time doing it with like a larger group. And what we're going to do is we're going to take an actual real life situation from someone who's there. We're going to take their actual situation. We're going to take some details and we're going to do a kind of reenactment of that situation. Um, I'm going to play them and someone else will play like the other person in the story. And we'll do this, but we're going to do it in a really in-depth way where we're going to run through different possibilities and see how the conversation can go different ways. And that person will be in the room so they can kind of tell us like whether this stuff lands or not. And when I've done this before in smaller workshops, people find it, um, people find it super compelling. It's a really interesting way to learn the skills. And, and I think the emotional resonance of it is even higher. Like, I think a lot of people found this one pretty resonant, but this one's even more so because it's like an actual real person in the room. So we'll do that. We'll take a bit of time, you know, people will get a chance to, again, it'll be pretty, participatory and that will have people in the chat putting in their comments as we go so it'll be a it will have people talking with each other a little bit uh in the workshop so people should come prepared to talk with each other and take part and stuff like this and we're gonna hang out afterwards we're gonna have, we're gonna have an after party you and me so people can hang, out, hang out afterwards and talk and meet david and talk to me and meet all the other amazing people who came to this thing one thing i find with these workshops too is like the people who show up really are it's it's pretty cool people because they're like smart interesting people who also want to be more compassionate communicators like they're the best people in the world for a link to that free workshop on february 1st 2022 
check out the description of this episode in your podcast player or check out the show notes for this episode at youarenotsosmart.com. That is it for this episode of the You Are Not So Smart podcast. For links to everything that we talked about, head to youarenotsosmart.com. For all the past episodes, go to Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Omni, Spotify, or youarenotsosmart.com. Follow me on Twitter at David McCraney. Follow the show at NotSmartBlog. We're also on Facebook slash YouAreNotSoSmart. And if you would like to support this operation, help make it better, help pay for transcription and other features, go to Patreon.com slash YouAreNotSoSmart. Pitching in at any amount gets you the show ad-free, but the higher amounts get you posters and t-shirts and sign books and other stuff. Also, to really support the show, just share it. Just tell people if you got anything out of this, if it's of any value to you, any episode that's your favorite, share it on social media, tell other people about it. That's the best way. The opening music, that's Clash by Caravan Palace. And you can check in in about two weeks for a fresh new episode. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. America.